0: Thanks for listening to the Covenant Church Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Now, let's check it out. This is our teaching series, which we're calling Around the Table with Jesus. We're spending time during the season of Lent, this uh, this. Uh, several week period as we are working our way toward Easter. We are spending time in the Gospel of John in the upper room with Jesus and His disciples. And in effect, we are eavesdropping on some of the most intimate and important things that Jesus ever said to His followers. So, these are actually the last words that Jesus speaks before he goes to the cross. So some of these are uh, precious words of love. Some of these are hard words. Some of these are instructions. But all of them are really important for people who want to follow Jesus in a more faithful and effective way. So I'm excited that we're looking in John chapters 13 through 17 during these few weeks now if you were here last week you know we started in John 13 and the the theme of last week's message in the first part of chapter 13 was Jesus washing his disciples' feet Jesus got down on the floor and he washed the feet of all 12 of his disciples John, though, only focused, the the Scripture last week, only focused on four of the feet, Judas's and Peter's. And you might remember I said when the writers of Scripture list out the disciples, they usually always list Peter first and Judas last. Peter's the leader of the, the pack, and Judas was the betrayer of Jesus and yet Jesus washed each one of his disciples' feet. He washed Peter's feet just like he washed Judas's feet because Jesus loved both of those men dearly. And Jesus still loves people regardless of their past, regardless of where they're headed in the future, regardless of where they are now. He still is coming before people, inviting them into a relationship with Him. And so, uh, today, we are going to continue in John chapter 13. We're going to finish the second half of it today. And Judas and Peter are also going to play a prominent role in this section of Scripture. Again, the question is, why are we spending time listening to these words of Jesus in the upper room. And clearly, here's the reason. Because we want to be the kind of followers of Jesus that mirror what Jesus is like. We want people to see us, and when they see us, they actually see Jesus. We want to be as close to Jesus As we possibly can, and and that is what discipleship is. By the way, It it is coming as close to Jesus as you can be, so that you can be more like Jesus. And so, the word disciple really it doesn't mean follower; it means learner. We're here to learn how to follow Jesus. We're here to learn from Jesus. Because we want to be as close to Him as possible. Isn't it exciting that Jesus invites us to come close? That He didn't say, close enough, stay back. No, He says, come to me, come closer, draw near to me. Jesus didn't come just to forgive us of our sin. Jesus came to invite us to be His friends to be in relationship with Him. The the problem is that there are people who are followers who say they're followers of Jesus that don't really seem to be very close to Him, or they don't look much like Him. Uh, We don't want to be those people. We want to be as close to Jesus as we can be. We want to follow as closely behind Him as we possibly can. We want to be like Jesus in every way possible. That's called discipleship. We're learners. We're here to learn from Jesus. And so, in this passage today, in John 13, John is going to give us three examples of discipleship. Two of them are not very good. One of them is the one he wants us to choose, and I think it'll be obvious which one is the best. And so, we're looking at Three examples of what it might look like to be a disciple. All right, the first example is Judas. And this is what John says in various verses in John 13. It says, For he, and this is Jesus, for Jesus knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said, Not everyone was clean. I am not referring to all of you, Jesus said. I, I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the Scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. And, and then later, verse 21, he says, after he, said, after he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, One of you is going to betray me. Now, can you imagine sitting around the table with Jesus how dark the tone became after that in the room? One of you is going to betray me. In fact, he says, he says it like this he goes, One of you, one of my friends, one of you that has been with me for three years, you've eaten at my table. We have shared good times and bad together. Uh, you You have heard everything that I've said. One of you has lifted up your heel against me. Now, that doesn't mean anything to us, but every one of the disciples would have understood clearly what that meant. You've lifted up your heel. This was actually a derogatory thing. If you wanted to not be nice to someone, you kind of did that. It is equivalent to taking your middle finger and displaying it for someone. And so, in effect, Jesus says, one of you has decided to shoot me the bird One of you, one of my friends, is going to turn your back on me. Now, here's what's interesting to me. It says that none of the disciples knew which one that might be. No one said, well, it's Judas. Everybody knows it's Judas. Uh, It says that no one really knew who it was. Now I have I've participated in a in a dramatic presentation of this very event a number of times over the years. It's a uh, usually something you do near Easter, and it's a uh, it's the Last Supper acted out, and people dress up like the disciples, and then they get in place and. When you look at the stage, you actually see a portrait of Da Vinci's Last Supper. And so everyone gets in their position and they freeze until it's their turn. And then each disciple kind of unfreezes and comes out and shares a soliloquy. And they they share a little bit of their story and then every time... The disciple, whoever it is, will turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, are you talking about me? Could this, could it be me? Now, by the way, every time I have been in one of those plays, I've had to play the the disciple that no one else wanted to be. Can you guess who I had to be? I was Judas every single time. No one will play Judas. So, I've been Judas I have it memorized, um, but it is a juicy part, so it's not, not terrible to play that part, but isn't it interesting? No one knew who it was. No one thought it was Judas. Now, if someone had said, it's Peter, they'd have said, well, I'd have thought it was Peter because he's so impetuous. He puts his foot in his mouth all the time, or they might have thought it was Simon the Zealot because you know, zealots are so emotionally unstable or they might have thought it was Simon the lesser because he's still chapped that he's the lesser and not the greater. But no one thought it was Judas. Do you know why? Because Judas was the most dependable disciple Jesus had. He, if you're going to trust someone with your money, you look for the person that you have the most confidence in. Judas was the carrier of the money bag. And so, they, everybody trusted Judas. Judas was the most faithful guy Jesus had. But in it, no one knows. No one knew who it was. In fact, John tells us, he's the author here, and he tells us that They're all wondering who it was, and so John is sitting next to Jesus, and Jesus is talking, and John leans back toward Jesus and says, who is it? Jesus, you can tell me, whisper in my ear, who, who are you talking about? And here's his answer, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. Well, that should have solved it right there, right? Oh, it's Judas. But still, John says, but we still didn't get it because they were, they were all eating out of the same platter. There were no forks. Everybody is using bread, and they're dipping some of the sauce or the meat out with their bread, and they're eating it. Everybody's eating out of the same big platter. And so when Jesus did that and handed it to Judas, they just figured that he was sending Judas on an errand because Judas had the money. So no one knows knows who it is. But watch this. It says, as soon as Judas took the bread... Satan entered into him. What you are about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. Now this is, this is really important, especially for Christian people, because we get really uh, caught up in this being demon-possessed or, or Satan having dominion over us. Listen, Satan has no dominion over those that have Jesus in them. Jesus is king of our hearts. He lives in our hearts. Satan has no power in our lives unless we give it to him. And so what this says here is that Judas opened the door by doing what he felt was the best thing rather than what Jesus has told him was what he wanted him to do. And in doing so, he opened the door for Satan to have dominion or some power in his life. Paul says this in Ephesians. He says, do not give the devil a foothold. And he's writing that to Christian people. Okay, what that means is that when you do what you want to do instead of what you know God's Word says... Or instead of what Jesus tells you to do, you're doing what you want to do. You are giving the devil a place to stand in your life. It's called a a foothold, or sometimes we call it a stronghold. Listen, a stronghold is is any area of my life where I choose my way over Jesus' way. And that's that's what Judas does here. He decides to go with his plan rather than Jesus' plan. And it says that he he opened the door for Satan to have to do work uh, in his life. And you know how things go from there. So what can we learn from Judas? See, you can learn even from a bad example, can't you? What do we learn here? I think this is the this is the lesson, the principle. I can look like a follower of Jesus, but if I'm not follow if I'm following my ways and not his ways, I am nothing but a betrayer. Jesus tells me to do something and I do the opposite, I'm I'm a betrayer. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? I don't want to be a betrayer. I mean the last thing I want Jesus to, to do is to turn and look at me and say why did you lift your heel toward me like that? Why did you shoot me the bird? Brandon, I thought you were my friend. I thought we were I thought you wanted to be close to me instead of getting closer You are walking farther away from me. It's obvious that that your plan is more important than my plan. I mean, instead of looking more like me, you're looking lesser and lesser like me. Let's don't choose that plan, right? That example. Well, then there's a second example, Peter. And wouldn't you think Peter would be better than Judas, right? Well, don't go that far. His example is really not that great either because look, look what it says here. Jesus says, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I will tell you now. Where I am going, you cannot come. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Now, I think that Peter believed that he was being a good leader. And so, when he heard these things, he said, hey, I will follow you wherever you go. I will, I'll even lay down my life for you. It sounds courageous and bold, and then Jesus popped his balloon, because this is what Jesus says, really, Peter, really? Listen, within 12 hours, you will deny that you've even heard my name. And Peter is incredulous, like there's no way that would happen. And yet, it happened just like Jesus said. Men came to arrest him. Peter followed them. He didn't get too close. But then, as he was nearing the place where Jesus was, people start to recognize him. And they say, hey, weren't you with Jesus? No, you got the wrong guy. No, no, I'm pretty sure I can hear your northern accent. Because he was from the north. And then he says, Oh, no, I, I'm, I'm not from the north, y'all. <laughs> no, no, I, no I'm no, i from down here. Where are y'all from? Right? He's, he's, ch- he's doing everything he can. And then they say, No, I, we saw you with him. And, and then you know what Peter does? He cussed them out. You know, stop it. Cussed them out. And then. There was a rooster crow. And he knew. That's exactly what Jesus. Said would happen. Listen. What can we learn from Peter? Listen. Peter said this in Matthew. I mean he was bold wasn't he? He says even if everyone else. Deserts you. I will never desert you. And yet. He did. What do we learn from Peter? I think this is the principle. I can sound like a follower of Jesus, but if my words don't have actions, I am nothing but a faker. You know, if I, if I say something, but my words aren't backed up by my actions, then I'm a fake follower. Follower. And that's what Peter ended up being, kind of a a fake guy. Jesus needs friends. He doesn't need people who make promises that they don't intend to keep. Now again, I I thought about this a lot. The last thing I want Jesus to say to me is it means to look at me and say, "Really? I, I can't think. Of, that would be so painful. Really." I mean, do you, I, I hear you say those things, but sometimes you act like you don't even know me, Branson. I mean, I, mean I, I, appreciate the, I appreciate the words, but I mean, sometimes you don't seem like you're my friend and that you're coming closer to me. You seem like you're walking away from me. Well, there's uh, there's another example. This is the one we ought to choose, by the way. It is the example of Jesus, because here in, in John 13, Jesus demonstrates what a true disciple is supposed to look like, and, and it has nothing to do with really how they look on the outside. It has nothing to do with what they say. But it has everything to do with what they do. And and Jesus says this. This is pretty incredible. He says, listen, if you will do these two things, then no one will mistake you as anything else than my friend. As anything else than someone who has been with me because you will look to them like me. You will look like me. If you'll do these two things. Anybody want to know what those two things are? This is where we ought to say, <laughs> yeah. Didn't you, didn't you love that song earlier that just said, I'm hanging on every word you say, Lord. I, I want to get close to you. I want to hear your words. I, when you speak and when you move, I want to be near you. Here are the two words that we need to hear. This is what Jesus says. First, he says, I want you to serve one another. I want you to serve each other. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He, he, this is what he asked him. He says, you know, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. For that is what I am. Now, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. He says, look, I have humbled myself, I have knelt before each of you, and I have served you, and I did it regardless of your past." I did it regardless of your current attitude. And I'm doing it regardless of how you will treat me in the future. I'm serving you because my heart is for you and that you're my friend. And if you'll do the same, no one will ever doubt that you're my follower. Because listen, y'all, when you serve... People don't understand that. And listen, when Christians serve each other, regardless of our differences, regardless of, of any kind of uh, boundary that we have in that the world would see, when we serve each other in the name of Jesus, it blows people's minds because everybody's in it for themselves. And then when they say, what is it with you people? They have no doubt. Those people have been with Jesus. Those are Jesus' friends. Those are followers of Jesus. Jesus says, if you'll do this, people will never mistake you for anything else but my disciple. How do you tell a real follower? It's not by the way they look. It's not by what they say. It's by what they do. And so Jesus said, and there's one more thing I want you to do. I want you to love one another. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, Jesus will say in John chapter 15, in fact, Uh, uh, we'll get to it, that a real friend lays down his life. And Jesus is getting ready to lay down his life for his friends. Aren't you glad you're a friend of Jesus? He's going to lay down his life for you so that You get to live so that you have eternal life, so that you get the benefit, so that you get to have the joy and the fullness that God has for you. In spite of your sin, He's going to forgive us. He's going to lay down His life. He says, I want you to watch what I do, and then I want you to love like me. And if you'll do that, no one will ever doubt who you belong to and who you've been with. They'll say, those people are friends of Jesus. Those people are followers of Jesus because they'll see pure, true, sacrificial love. Now, how do you tell if someone is a follower? Again, it's not by how they look or by what they say, but what they do. They'll know you're followers of mine if you do those two things. Now, come close to me and learn from me. Draw close so that you can see how much I serve you and love you so that you can turn around and do that to each other. That's the mark of true discipleship. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any questions, would like to talk to a pastor or get involved, head over to our website at covenant.cc or follow us on social media. Again, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you soon.